Uh, we are starting a new series this morning uh, about how to show EGRs Jesus. Now, in case you don't know what an EGR is, an EGR is an extra grace required person. Uh, they are people that deplete us instead of complete us, that kind of drain our energy. Uh, we still need to show them Jesus, but we need to do so without arranging a face-to-face -face meeting with someone that depletes us. Uh, and during this series, we're going to look at what I think are the most common EGRs. Uh, this week, we're going to look at the people that are exceptionally needy. Next week, we're going to look at people that are manipulative. And then the third week of the series, we're going to look at people who are hypocritical and then last but not least, we're going to look at people who are excessively critical. Uh, when I think of people who are exceptionally needy, needy EGRs, my mind always goes to Jesus' interaction with the woman with the issue of blood. Now, if you don't know the story, it's in Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 30 this morning. Uh, this, this woman depleted Jesus now. Jesus has all the power available him, to him in the world, but he still noticed the drain from interacting with her in his system. Let's, let's look at that. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, Pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people following followed crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? So imagine this scene. People are following Jesus left, right, all over one side of the lake to the other. And he lands on the seashore and a man immediately comes up to him and says, you know what? My daughter is dying. Would you please come touch her? Would you please heal her? And Jesus agrees to go. And on his way, crowds are just all, all over him. And this woman reaches up and touches Jesus' robe. And Jesus notices, the word of God says, that healing power went out from him. He actually felt it leave. Now, to me, and if you work with people or work with lots of people like kids in school or something, you know what it is like to work with people all day long and feel the drain on your system. It might not be a physical job. It might not be a manual job. But at the end of the day, you're like, I'm tired. 
I feel like somebody touched me. It's almost like somebody unplugged you at the end of the day. When you think of people who are needy, maybe your mind goes to someone who might be financially needy because I think most people that are needy often think they need money to meet their needs. Uh, They're always calling you on the phone maybe and saying, hey, uh, can I borrow 20 bucks for gas? Maybe that's one of your kids. Um, Or somebody calls you and says, you know what? I can't pay my gas bill this month. Can I borrow? It's common, but needs come in all forms. There are people out there that are just excessively emotionally needy. And, And they call you and they're like, do you still love me? Are you still my friend? I still like you. Do you still like me? Uh, They're just so insecure. There are people that are physically needy. Uh, Maybe you have one of your kids that like never lets go of you. And it's not a bad thing. It's just compared to your other kids, it's like, wow, they need constant physical reassurance all the time. Some people, some families seem to attract drama and crisis no matter where they're at. And they're always calling you, like, hey, uh, could you help me with? And for some reason, they are excellent about finding the people with those soft, beating hearts that can't say no. And they will call you and call you and call you. How many of you know someone that kind of fits that category, that's always in need, always calling for one reason or, yeah. Many of us know some people like that. And you can't point. Don't do that. Um, but many of us know somebody like that, and after a while, it's like, I'm just tired. I, I, the phone rings, you look at the number, and it's like, oh, please, Jesus, not, not again. Many of us feel that drain and that power, and I think after interacting with this woman, it was like Jesus could feel that power drain. Now, for some people, it, it really does seem like that crisis mode is just a, a lifestyle. Jesus, though, eventually commends this woman's faith. Even though she drained him, even though she's needy, even though she is so desperate. Can you, can you imagine just for a moment being that woman's friend? 12 years being sick. Totally broke after all her experiences with the doctor. Still having this physical ailment she would have been one of those people that just drained everyone around her in need. Jesus still loves needy EGRs. And he said to her in Mark 5, 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. But knowing that Jesus loves people who are needy and who might be extra grace required, doesn't mean it's not difficult for us sometimes to show people Jesus who are needy. Now, it it can only, it can, not only can it be difficult, but if we don't handle those situations well, it can actually be a detriment to us and to those people. So, I'm gonna oversimplify things a little bit, and we're gonna just look at two broad kinds of needs. Short-term needs and long-term needs. Now, short-term needs, as you might expect, are immediate and temporary. Now, I have to say, if you're a member of this church, if you've been going here for a while, you know our church is awesome 
at meeting people's needs. If you find yourself in one of those needy seasons of life where life gets crazy, this church will wrap you in the love of God. I have seen connect groups take meals, watch kids, uh, go and pray before a surgery, visit the hospital. If you find yourself in one of those situations, this church is absolutely awesome. The prayer team starts praying, quilts are made, it's impressive. Now, I'm biased because I love you guys, but you do an awesome job at showing people Jesus in their time of need. Long-term needs are more difficult. Long-term needs are more challenging. As, again, you might assume, long-term needs don't stay immediate or temporary. They are ongoing, and they require so much more time and energy Long-term needs have an emotional, physical, and mental effect on someone's system, their bodies, their minds, their hearts, their spirits, that just wear them down. In the case of the death of a loved one, or when someone goes through a divorce, those it can take years of ministering to someone before they have healed fully and are emotionally restored to health. And there is almost always, for someone who suffers with something long-term, a spiritual component to this as well. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and spent everything she had, it's, it's those kinds of people in that kind of fight that needs are so much different than a short-term crisis. When, when you have a short-term need, People gather around you, and you're just so grateful for the expression of love and support. But those with long-term needs, like this woman, they make people uncomfortable because there's no quick fix. And when people show love to someone, they love it when things change just like that. And when they don't, people, people get uncomfortable the wrestling of someone's spirit that suffers long-term, their, their neediness, their brokenness, makes other people feel awkward. Those long-term sufferers answer questions like, is God good? Is God fair? Why me? Is, is life still worth living? And the people who minister to those individuals are a special breed of people. And they often help people redefine their purpose and their potential in life, even in the midst of their suffering. It's a different kind of help. But because there are no quick fixes, it can be awkward. It doesn't have to just be about physical healing. If someone never learned how to budget and always finds themselves in a financial crisis, Giving them money won't help anything. They need a brother or sister in the Lord to teach them how to use money God's way and to walk with them. And, it's, and it might take years for them to climb out of the hole that they have gotten themselves into. If somebody is addicted to alcohol, 90 meetings in 90 days might not fix it. They need a brother or a sister who will walk with them. Be there when they fall off the wagon and love and support them. It is a lifelong fight. If someone's parent moves in with them, a get well card, 
when somebody's dealing with clarity issues and failing health, just doesn't work. And I think sometimes people try to meet a long-term need in a short-term way. And what I'd like to do this morning is look at a few scriptures because I think there's a few prayers of discernment when we're working with needy people that will help us best show Jesus to people who find themselves in need, whether it's long-term or short-term need. So here's the first prayer if you're taking notes. God, help me give people what they truly need, not just what they want. This is from Acts 3, 2 through 8. Let me read that scripture for us this morning. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. This man had been lame from birth. He couldn't walk. And he thought what he needed was what he had asked for every single day more money to meet his immediate needs. So as Peter and John come, he asks them for money. And Peter and John don't have any. So they say, we don't have any money, but we know Jesus Christ, who has the power to heal. Jesus had the power to heal this man's long-term need, not just meet his short-term need. And Peter reaches down and gives this man a hand up, instead of a hand out. Now, that will preach like in every day and in every age. God is the healer and restorer, and God makes all things new. Nothing is impossible with God, amen? Sometimes. Sometimes we just don't think big enough. The prayer, God, what, what do you want to offer here? What do you want to do in this situation? God, I know what they want. I know what they think they need. But what do you want to do here? That is a big prayer. That, that's a prayer of faith, but we serve a big God. This lame man had short-term needs, but God had long-term solutions in store for his life. He had been sitting outside the temple begging for money his whole life, asking for what he thought he needed. God showed up, and now he's going in the temple because someone discerned not only what his long-term need was, but what God wanted to do about it. People will always ask you for what they think they need, but God knows our hearts and what we truly need. Sometimes God just needs someone to pray, God, what do you want to do? 
I know what they think they need. They think they know what they need. But what do you want? You are a big God. This, this can be with something supernatural like healing, but this can also be something like super practical as well. If one of those people calls you up and says, hey, I need 600 bucks for my car payment, and you know they don't have a job that allows them to make that payment every month, they don't need 600 bucks. They need a cheaper car, and they need some brother or sister who loves them enough to say it. Maybe they need someone that'll say, you know what? I know what you think you need, but let's look at the situation because I think you need something different. Okay, second prayer. God, help me stay out of the way by not continually rescuing people from their consequences. This is huge, and it's kind of related to the first one, but there is a spiritual principle at work here, and it's found in Galatians 6, 7. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Many people know that in the NIV version, which says, you will reap what you sow. But some of us try to save people from their consequences. They reap one thing, they, they plant one thing, and they're gonna harvest, but we say, wait, God, I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna step in and save them from their consequences. Now, I know none of your parents here have done this, but occasionally, other parents, other places, will have a, a son or a daughter, little Susie or little Johnny, let's say, that, that doesn't do their homework. And they didn't get their science project done and it's due tomorrow. And mom or dad, not any of you, but sometimes a parent will step in and they'll say, you know what, I'll do that for you. And you step in and you save a child from the consequences of their actions. And see, if you don't let little Johnny or little Susie reap the consequences from their actions, they will learn it one day. And if they learn it later in life, it's gonna be harder, it's gonna be bigger. In fact, if you don't let them learn it when they're little, you might have to say, little Johnny, little Susie, I love you, but you're 32 years old. <laughs> let me teach you how to fold your own underwear, how to budget, and encourage you to get a job because you need to spread your wings and get out of my basement. Now, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, sort of, because, like, it could happen. And when you think of somebody learning consequences, my mind, again, always goes to Luke chapter 15 with the prodigal son. Now, if you don't remember the story, you remember the younger son asked his father, I want my share of the inheritance now, as if you're dead, I want it now. And he went and he squandered all that money on wild living, and he found himself in great need. And his father was watching for him every single day. But I'll tell you what that father didn't do. That father didn't go out looking for his son to rescue him from the consequences of his actions. He waited till his son came to his senses and headed home. And as soon as he saw him, he ran to him and he lavished his love on him, but he didn't go rescuing him from the consequences of his actions. I wonder if that son would have ever come to his senses 
if dad would have gone and rescued him. It's hard. But all of us need to learn the lesson that actions have consequences. And if we come to our senses, after suffering consequences, God will always be there for us, for us, always. God sent his son to rescue every single one of us, but our hearts have to turn towards him to receive his salvation. Some people in life just have to learn the hard way. You can't save them from that. They just have to learn the hard way. And all of us that have to learn the hard way say, amen. I just needed to learn the hard way. Number three, God help me remember that I'm not someone's savior. I'm just the messenger. And this is from Ezekiel chapter three, 17 through 19. Son of man, I have appointed you, God said, as watchmen for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and, refu and they refuse to repent and keep on singing, sinning, they will, in other words, still die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. I mention this because as we relate to people who are, are needy, extra grace required people, the results are not up to you and me. You can only do what God has called you to do. And God will call you to love. God will call you to serve. God will call you to lavish love on people with short-term and long-term needs. But their response to the love of Jesus is not your responsibility. God may not have appointed you their watchman. But notice, even the watchman wasn't responsible for the results. He was only responsible for sharing the truth with grace and love. Oftentimes, I think guys that are friends see some friend headed in another direction, and guys will step in and say, hey, brother, my friend, you need to watch it. And if a guy spins out of control, many guys are just mad. They're like, I'm gonna go knock his teeth out. He didn't listen to me, he asked for my advice. Women handle things differently. If girlfriends are talking and then one doesn't listen to some advice, I hear ladies say this, what could, have I, what, what could have I have done differently? This must be my fault. I, I, maybe if I would have talked to her this way, she would have listened. Or maybe if I would have done, it's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility, according to that scripture, is to say the truth in love, you are not the savior. And guys, you, we're not the judge. <laughs> we can't ride in and knock somebody's teeth out. We're called to share the good news. We can't save people from their consequences. We need prayers of discernment. God, where do you want to work here? And we need to leave the results with God, staying on our knees, because God really does love people who are needy. Because needy people at some point, hopefully, 
recognize they need Jesus. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning that are just going through it, and they find themselves in a crazy season of life where their hearts are broken, their needs are great, and God, you love them so much. And just like you went with Jairus's to, to his daughters, and just like you, you healed this woman that touched your robe, God, you long to heal people and mend hearts and lives. And God, you're not just in it for the short term. You are in it with us for the long haul. You will see us. You will never leave us or forsake us. So God, I pray that your presence would be with my brothers and sisters that, that are going through it this morning. And God, for the rest of us, I pray, God, that you would help us to, to pray those prayers of discernment, to ask, God, I, I know the need that looks apparent. I, I, I know what they're asking, but God, is there more? Is there more you want to do? And God, help us to stay out of the way that maybe if some brother or sister needs to learn some consequences, that God, we would be the one watching for them, for, their, for them to come to their senses and encourage them when they do. And that we would remember that you are the savior of the world. And that you would find us faithful in showing people Jesus, proclaiming the truth. And it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen.